Good evening, hockey fans. Welcome to episode number six of the PhD podcast. I am Mitch. You can find me on Twitter at PhD underscore Mitch. Shout out to everyone out there. Thank you for such support over the last couple weeks of this podcast. It is amazing to see how many people want to talk hockey. I've had so many people come up to me in the rink, on Twitter, everywhere, telling me that they are enjoying what we're doing, and I can do nothing but appreciate that for you guys out there to be able to listen to that, and that's what I wanted to create whenever we started to do this. So with that being said, let's get episode six underway. A couple things I want to go over, just let you know where to find us. You can find us on Twitter at PGH Hockey Digest. You can find us on Instagram at PGH Hockey Digest. I'm going to be working on that project here very shortly. And we're also on the internet at BergHockey.com. Of course, if you don't know already, now you know. You already found us from that point with SoundCloud, and that's where we're able to send out our podcast. You can also uh, commit to this, and you can actually find this on iTunes. Just find Pittsburgh Hockey Digest podcast. Um, I'm the one that's running all that stuff, so if you have any questions, please just don't hesitate to get in touch with me. Let me know. Um, What we're going to be going over today is a couple of the uh, major details going on. We had a couple... PIHL preseason tournaments finish up this week. Uh, we have one continuing right now. I'm just going to go over it with you guys and just you know say my thoughts and what's going on. And of course, I'm referring to the St. Margaret tournament that occurred over in uh, Alpha Ike's Complex in Harmerville. And of course, your repeat champions this coming season are the Pine Richland Rams, who defeated North Allegheny seven to three in the final on Monday night. Uh, it was a very close game. Pine Richland jumped out to a 3-0 lead early. Uh, North Allegheny came back, put three up on the board by the end of the second, I mean, sorry, by the midpoint of the third period, and then it just started to unravel for North Allegheny. Pine Richland was just too powerful. We were able to put four more on the board in the last five and a half minutes to secure their second consecutive St. Margaret Fall Faceoff Championship, uh, the preseason tournament out of Alpha. So congratulations to the Pine Richland Rams. We'll talk about that tournament and how they got there at that point. Um, I'm going to go over the scoreboards from each of the days and just some things that I'm noticing as, you know, you're looking at these teams coming into the upcoming season. Um, let's get into that right now. I'll, after this, I will get into the Greensburg-Salem tournament. But for now, here we go. We're going to start out on Monday at Alpha. We opened up the season. Uh, a couple of the scores that showed up on this day was Pine Richland would open up and they would defeat Upper St. Clair 6-3. to three. Upper St. Clair looked really strong whenever I saw them on Tuesday. But there's a little bit of a but to that, and I'll explain that in a second. Uh, the second game, Butler defeated Montour 9-4. Cannon McMillan defeated uh, tied Greater Latrobe 2-2. Mars defeated Shaler 9-3. Central Catholic defeated Franklin Regional 5-4. And Bethel Park uh, dumped Seneca Valley 5-1. Of course, Seneca Valley, the defending AAA champions from last year. Uh, It's going to be a tough season for them. I believe they graduated quite a few seniors. But remember, this is a preseason tournament. It doesn't always pan out based off of what you're looking at in the you know, going towards the regular season. And you move on to Tuesday, Pine Richland would play back-to-back. I was in the rink for this day. Uh, I was over in the USA rink. The Alpha Ice Complex was very nice to us and was able to accommodate us. So what you're, t- what you're hearing now is what we were talking about last week, and we were actually talking over uh, while they were playing when I had Andrew Wisniewski in the studio. Actually, not in the studio. That was a little bit of a rough one to say in the studio uh, when we were talking live in the rink. Okay, so... Uh, you're looking at Tuesday, Pine Richland defeated Butler 5-1. Upper St. Clair defeated Montour 7-4. North Allegheny defeated Hampton 5-3. Baldwin defeated Armstrong 5-3. Of course, Armstrong, the defending double-A champion, the Penguins Cup. Mars defeated Bethel Park 4-3. And Shaler defeated Seneca Valley 3-2. When you moved on to Wednesday, you looked at Hampton defeating Baldwin 4-1. North Allegheny dropped Armstrong 5-1, so Armstrong right there out of a pair of of defeats. Then you look at Bethel Park tiling, tying Shaler 
Mars defeated Seneca Valley. Central Catholic dropped Cannon McMillian th McMillian three two. I call I will call them McMillian every once in a while. I apologize to the Cannon Max, the Mighty Mags down there. Uh, Franklin Regional defeated Latrobe five four, and then you move on to Thursday, where Upper Saint Clair and Butler went to a seven six in favor of Upper Saint Clair. Pine Richland, this is the big one. Pine Richland defeated Montour fourteen to three. Franklin Regional defeated Cannon McMillian 6-3. I did it again. Latrobe defeated Central Catholic 5-3. And Hampton defeated Armstrong 3-2. North Allegheny dropped Baldwin 2-0. That was your regular pool play from the tournament. A um, couple notes that I noticed from the rink on Tuesday when I was there. I'm not counting my, my games this week so far. Is that everybody's starting to look a little bit faster this year. Uh, you had a lot of names come back, so I, I'm new to following the PIHL in a sense of, hey, you know, I'm going to go out there and cover games, I'm going to start recognizing names, things are a little bit awkward for me, and I, I do make mistakes, and you're going to notice I'll have a, uh, an interview with uh, a couple of guys from Penn Trafford that I went up on Saturday and saw, uh, I'll make mistakes from time to time whenever it comes to what class you're in, or if you're playing this year or not. But, uh, you know, I, I'm going to learn that as time. You can only learn that as long as we're going here. And the PIHL, it's, it's, you're going through the high school ranks. Some, got, some players will go and play as a midget major. Some guys will go to, you know, they'll, they'll just do stop playing. They don't want to play this season. And yeah, that's understandable. I mean, everybody has their thing. And we're just trying to bring it all together for you. And hopefully, you know, the, those who want to continue to play, play. And those who do not, hey, just it's fun to be on the outside sometimes watching a hockey game. I know I love it every day that I get a chance to do it. So, um, you know, those are some of the names that I start seeing and the kids as they progress and become better players. That, that is what I'm looking for as a personal, you know, as a guy who loves the progression of hockey and watching these players grow. And I'm seeing a lot of these players get a lot better, faster, stronger on their skates. Maybe a kid that got you know, crushed last year or was getting really beat up in the boards, was playing a lot smarter along the boards. And I'm seeing that from a lot of teams. And you're going to hear this name a lot, and that's Pine Richland. And, you know, those those guys just absolutely were off the charts this past weekend, this past week. And I there's nothing that I can say. They put up big numbers in this tournament, and they just grew from last year. They were really strong offensively last season, and, they grew throughout, and it was uh, it was interesting to watch to see that how many you know playmakers that they were able to create out of that you know how they played in the neutral zone. And I'm not this isn't a knock on anyone else. It was just that they were just on a different level looking at it. And maybe they're the team that comes out of Double A. I didn't get to see them all. Like I only seen probably 12 teams total. I didn't get to see. You know, I didn't get to see anybody else in the in Central Catholics grouping. I, you know, I got to see bits and pieces of the other conferences. Now, I'm not going to sit here and put in, in everything on. I'm just using it as a case study that we're getting bigger, we're getting stronger, we're getting faster in the PIHL, and it's definitely uh, growing into a great, great, great league. Uh, especially how watching these uh, kids develop and be able to get better at what they're doing. And we'll move on to that. Based off of that, Mars looked absolutely phenomenal out there. They were uh, really strong. They, of course, they dropped their semifinal game against North Allegheny in a very, very, very dramatic fashion. Uh, it was a two nothing lead for Mars after two. North Allegheny would come back to tie it and then end up. North Allegheny took it to a four three final in a shootout, and I was over there with Ed Major on Monday, and of course you can follow him on our site uh, for with major focus on the Twitter, on our site with all our ACHA coverage, and also looking at some of our PIHL coverage. Um, but Mars looked very strong this year, and you can just see those teams that step up every year, and they're going to continue to grow. Central Catholic's another one that I noticed whenever they were playing. They started out a little bit slow, but they picked it up towards the middle of the game against Pine Richland in the other semifinal, and it took till about the third period for Pine Richland to, to break away from Central Catholic. So you're seeing some some 
parity in the PIHL amongst all of the divisions that we're having. And a lot of these teams are playing at the same level. So you're not seeing, you know, there's a, you know, the triple A is the most competitive. And then you got double A who's, you know, they're going to be, you know, they're right in the middle of single A. You, you just want to play. And then D2, you're bringing a bunch of teams together to play. No, you're seeing good hockey throughout the entire league, and no league is lower or up or better or worse than any other league out there. And it's definitely awesome to see that this is going on out there, and these preseason tournaments show it to a T. So, with that being said, we get into Monday. Pine Richland, of course, defeated Central Catholic 3 1, uh, and then North Allegheny dropped Mars in that shootout from Alpha Ice Complex, and then Pine Richland defeated North Allegheny 7-3 in the final. Like I said, that was a big game. That was a very physical game. They were both, I mean, you look at both teams, they played at 5 o'clock, so you can't doubt that they were tired. It was a Monday. You know, these they were already in school during the day. They got out, went straight to the rink, got ready for this tournament, and they're here now. They're playing in a you know two games in this one night. I mean, I know hockey players are used to playing multiple games, and you should be ready for it. I'm watching players like Tyler Duderstedt, who practice with Vengeance. He plays for the Pittsburgh Vengeance. He practiced with the team and then came over and played two games. So it, it takes a toll on your body, but at the same time, a lot of them are built for it, the conditioning. If you want to grow to the next level, you've got to have the conditioning down. Pat, I mean, we spoke a couple weeks ago to Kirsten Welsh uh, for Robert Morris Women, and she explained, you know, all the testing that they do once you get past that to, you know, we're talking national teams here, and we're talking Hockey Canada. We're not talking the United States. Hockey Canada, that is their pastime. So, you know, for that, that is a goal of every hockey player that grew up there. But at the same time, what she was explaining how, you know, you had to watch your nutrition and they, they tested you for a full day on your conditioning and all this other stuff. I was actually, she actually sent a tweet out the other day. I was saying the, uh, when fit tests are over and she was eating something and it was, it was actually quite funny. She's like, all my fitness tests are finally done for Hockey Canada. And it's just one of those funny things that you look at and you're like, well, you don't think about that whenever you're watching the game, but you don't realize how much these people are actually putting into that game. So, you know, you'll, you'll see that, and then you get into that game, and then, yeah, maybe those legs get tired when you're looking at 10, 10, 15 at night. And hats off to North Allegheny. They went out there, and they played their butts off. They were absolutely getting physical in the board, in the corners, exactly what they needed to do against a team like Pine Richland. Unfortunately, it just... Uh, it all just caught up to them, and they are going to be a good team in AAA this year for, you know, up in North Allegheny. They'll play out of barrel, and it's going to be an interesting season to see how that plays out. Now, I'm going to go back to Pine Richland. We were able to speak with a couple of the coaches, with one of the coaches and uh, Will Stutt from Pine Richland after their victory. I'm going to play that for you right now so that you're able to hear what they had to say about their big victory, their back-to-back year up at the St. Margaret's Tournament. J.R. Hess, uh, coach, assistant coach of Pine Richland, uh, with Will Stunt here. Uh, left winger, right winger, what are you? Left. Left winger. You know, play both sides of the ice, it doesn't matter there. Yeah. It's versatility right there. Okay, so second straight St. Margaret face-off championship. How does that feel? How's that setting in? Well, you know, the goal is always to, uh, to to win your last game in the tournament. And, uh, when we set out to do that, we um, try and create that mentality within the locker room. But um, as much as the coaches want to strap them up and play, uh, we put a lot of responsibility on the players, and they go out there and they prove it day in and day out. Um, it's always tough to go back-to-back, but... Uh, you know, these guys definitely did it and put forth a lot of effort and came through. So. All right, second straight one for you. How many, How does it feel? Which one was better? Which one? Oh, this one, this one. This is my senior year. This is my brothers in the back here. We're just banding together and defeating whoever it is. Single A, triple A, double A, doesn't matter. All right, so you're looking into this game. You got out to a really quick 3 nothing lead. Kind of diminished. What was the thought process going on on the bench? Oh, our, our uh, hopes were up. We were very positive, but things started to turn around. But then during the third period, we just went right back at it and just put on the pressure. Coach, 
Yeah, it was, uh, you know, we got off to a fantastic start, probably one of our best periods that we've had in the tournament. Um, but uh, we knew North Allegheny was going to come back and, and continue fighting. Uh, you know, they're a team that we're extremely familiar with. Um, and, uh, you know, they, they always put up a good fight for sure. But uh, we just wanted to make sure that we went out on top and uh, keep putting the pressure on them. And, um, you know, eventually they'll fold. We came through and uh, came out on top. You had a really strong season last year. What are you taking from this victory in particular to take into that regular season, especially in a very wide open double A? Well, losing gets old, you know, and uh, or when winning never gets old. So, um, you know, this year, it's uh, it's about having fun and playing hockey with your buddies. You know, that's the kind of mentality that we want to instill with these guys. Um, you know, making them enjoy high school hockey again and, uh, you know, preaching effort and, you know, day in and day out and uh, having one mindset, and that's a championship mindset, a winning mindset um, that we want to make sure that these guys have. And, uh, you know, so far they're doing a really good job uh, listening and buying into it what we want to do as a team and um, you know if they continue to do that it's going to be uh, pretty tough to stop us thank you guys how about that confidence from J.R. Hess and uh, Will Stutt there for Pine Richland I mean that team put up about 39 or so goals against in a five game span during the St. Margaret tournament uh, in, in route to their back to back victories in that tournament and you know that's not an easy feat <laughs> to put up that many goals in a tournament. So hats off to them. Congratulations to the Pine Richland Rams. Um, of course, we spoke to a couple of them last week, and apparently they were uh, pretty excited about me being there again. So uh, you can ask any of them or follow on Twitter what happened, but apparently they decided they were uh, going to circle around the rink shouting that this that victory was for me. And, of course, Mitch, uh, What, but more specifically. And, you know... That's the type of stuff we're trying to build. It's just that fun. You know, you, you think about this, and you're, I was talking to Ed Major about this hockey stuff, and you realize these are still kids. These are still teenagers that are just coming out of high school. And I, I remember how I was in high school, and sometimes you forget that as a member of uh, of somebody who covers them. I, I, I don't like to use, like I told you, I don't like to use the term journalism journalist on myself. I said it, and I'm upset a couple weeks ago. But... You think about that, you don't realize that they're they're still teenagers or young adults. And you know, I'm 32. Uh, if you might ask a couple guys from one of the teams that I had a little bit of a back and forth with last year, I might have said I was 50. But uh, I'm 32, so I don't always remember, or it doesn't. It, I get engulfed in it so much that I don't see that. And it's awesome to have, you know the enthusiasm towards a product or want to be able to connect with everybody and. I'm glad to see that, and I want to be. I want to love to have that in every rink out there, and that's my goal. I mean, you love me, you hate me, you think I'm full of myself. That's fine with me. I'm I'm cool with that. But at the same time, that's the enthusiasm. That's the community that I'm trying to build for everybody to have. Be able to have these conversations. I get messages all the time. Oh, such and such is that who's playing for who? And I got another one for you guys tonight. And cut out of that was I got a couple more informations. You know, a couple more updates on where players are out of those conversations, and that's what we're looking for. That's going to be in a little bit. I've got a bunch of details of what's going on in Pittsburgh-based hockey and training and everybody who's gone on someplace else to do awesome things. And I've got them here for you guys, and I'm going to tell you that in a little bit. But for now, we're going to switch gears, and we're going to go to the opposite side of the city of Pittsburgh. And I'm using that a little bit, a little bit loose. Technically, we're just going to shoot down 76 and get on 30 for a bit. And we're going to find ourselves at Kirk S. Nevin Arena for the Greensburg-Salem Tournament, which is currently occurring at that arena. Uh, you got a couple teams down there. Of course, last year this was known as the Greensburg Central Catholic Tour preseason tournament. Uh, Greensburg-Salem picked it up with Greensburg Central Catholic not continuing with their team this upcoming season. Um, just to give you a cup update on the scoreboard, starting in the... Starting that tournament, West Allegheny dropped Norwin up 1-0. Thomas Jefferson defeated Kiske 6-1. West Allegheny and Penn Trafford 6-3. Greensburg-Salem tied Kiske 4-4. Penn Trafford, I was there at, for Penn Trafford and Hempfield and South Park and South Fayette. Penn Trafford and Hempfield 
went to a 6-5 score. South Park and South Fayette, 2-2 in that game. Uh, then South Park had to play a makeup game on Sunday night after Monday's flooding. Led to a 1-1 tie, their second consecutive tie in a 24-hour span. So that's you know that does that tournament's going last night. Uh, sorry, Thomas Jefferson lost, I believe, six to two, and I believe that was South Fayette. Of course, that <laughs> I was talking to somebody about that. Thomas Jefferson and South Fayette, of course, was that game down at Ross Traver Ice Car. I'm in the postseason where Ian Kumar put up another hat trick and led South Fayette past the the Jaguars in big fashion. Um, that was, of course, his second consecutive hat trick in the postseason. And that, that the little side story was my favorite story was how Ian Kumar and Matt Krieger, who's now playing up in Rochester of the uh, NACHA, I believe. I can't remember exactly where he's, what the name of the league is up there. But he's playing for the Ross Traver, uh, Rochester Junior Monarchs. I got Ross Traver Ice Mark Garden on my mind. And they drove down from the Pittsburgh Penguins elite game where they were line mates uh, to make that game. And I believe both coaches tried to petition to be able to have, change, move the game back an hour or so that they were able to make that game. That was a big week that they were making makeup games up and teams were didn't have their players because they were playing in midget major tournaments at that time. Uh, I remember Latrobe had that same issue. Uh, they weren't they had to move their game to a Wednesday because they were going to be missing I believe Rossi and Schmizzy. and it was just definitely uh that was <laughs> that's another ill-fated game there uh the overtime loss to Quaker Valley um but you know those are the things you're going to have and they, of course they drove down together to make that game to play each other and you know they both had a really solid games in that in that game but you know you look at these rematches now. You know Kumar still with the uh, with South Fayette this season. Uh, like I said, Krieger's up in Rochester, New York now. So uh, hats off to all of them. And you're looking at that, and you know that tournament is the same as it's always been. It's a fun tournament to be playing in for the because they enjoy the you know the back and forth nature of that. You're looking at those scores. It's wide open games. You got. No, you don't. You have one one nothing game. The rest have at least four goals in, involved in. I'm sorry, except for the final game, the South Park and Plum. They're one. They went to a one one. South Park looks like a very a much improved team off of last year. Don't sleep on them this year. Uh, the little bit that I saw in that one game. I mean, South Fayette started to bring it towards the second half. They South Fayette came out slow in the game that I covered with them, but definitely uh, South Park picked it up and started to play tough on them. And South Park's going to be a team, a sleeper team this year. Uh, I got to see a couple more games with them to see how they play. I don't exactly know what I'm, you know, when I'm going to be down at Ice Castle to see them play. So when I do, I'll definitely be excited to see where it plays out. Uh, Plum, of course, dropping from Double A, they get a they get that tie from them. South Fayette, uh, you know, they're all, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see how that goes out. Um, and then that Penn Trafford Hemfield game, I mean, I get a little bit of darling effect on the Penn Trafford Warriors um, because of my little my history with that team. And you know, of course, Hemfield, I won't I won't all say it. Hemfield was my alma mater, uh, and then our owner Alan, Alan Saunders went to Penn Trafford, so we always have a little bit of a back and forth around that those games. Um, but look, and you got to say that credit is given where credit is due. And they've put in the work this past year at Penn Trafford. And, uh, you know, I went out there and, you know, that top line was returning. That was a really high-scoring line. Uh, Hughes, Jack Hughes, Mickey, Ryan Mickey, and uh, and Patrick of the Warriors. Uh, of course, I was able to sit down with all three of them and talk about last season's uh, postseason run with the, the loss to Shaler and, you know, of course, winning last season's Greensburg Central Catholic preseason tournament. We're looking for a second team that might be able to, you know, take a run at a championship there for their, you know, back-to-back preseason championship. So, of course, they defeated West Allegheny last season. So here is my interview with Jack Hughes, Ryan Mickey, and Gavin Patrick. 
All right, we're here at Kirk Nevin Arena. Penn Trafford defeated Hempfield 6-5 here in the Greensburg-Salem preseason tournament. I'm here with a trio of Penn Trafford Warriors now. I'd like them to introduce themselves. Gavin Patrick. Jack Hughes. Ryan Mickey. All right, guys. Now, last season, you guys won this tournament. How did that feel to be able to get that season started that way? Well, it was a good jump start. Uh, it really was like brought us together because that was like our first year together being varsity since we lost like 16 seniors going into that year. So it was really our first like full games together. Yeah, going going to Shaler after that game really helped us. We ended up beating Shaler to go one and zero on the season. So that tournament really got us ready for that. I think it got it got us up to the speed of hockey that we were going to play in the varsity season. All right, now let's talk about that season. You moved along, and it was a little bit rough. You had a rough patch at mm -hmm. the beginning, and then you kind of you pulled out of that at the end, and you were looking at the postseason, and you pulled up to UPMC 66. You had to play a play-in game against Shaler. Mm -hmm. Didn't go your way, but what did you guys take from that game to bring you into this season? Well, honestly, I don't even think we should have been playing in that game. <laughs> Honestly, but uh, it it kind of was a wake up call because like we kind of thought we just like deserved to be in the playoffs after winning all those games. Like we had we were a little too confident, but like coming into this season, I realized like yeah, like we were a little overconfident. We just have to be a little more humble and just realize what we have to do. Yeah, um, we can't take any games for granted. We need to go into each game and play desperate as a hockey team, um, and just need to work for. What we did, what we need to get. Yeah, last season we started off really slow. It was right around the Christmas tournament where we started picking things up, and just after that Shaler game at UPMC, we just figured we need to start this season off really good. All right, so going into the season after that loss last year, and you guys are looking at your senior year, Gavin. Now, what are you trying to put towards the younger players? What are you trying to? make them believe because you're bringing back a lot of your players you have a lot of the same faces from last year yeah I mean even the players that we called out from JV are like juniors and seniors like they're not like freshmen that really need like brought up but uh I mean really just like how to get to the speed of this varsity level so a lot of them are coming up from JV like I went through that last year and uh I mean just getting them ready to for the physicality and the speed of this level for us and what are you guys trying to bring to the table for the, you know, going, looking forward to your senior season after this one? Like, you're building upon it. How, what did you change to get to this level at, for this year? Because you guys look faster out there this year. I will tell you that much. Um, I'm just trying to be more physical and just trying to get the spirit up for our younger players, try to get them to get more physical. You see some of these, like, sophomores, they're getting, they're getting in there, and um, it just creates a better spirit for the team. Yeah, I think um, we just need to get everyone on the same page so we're not afraid to go in the corners to get the pucks and work hard to get shots on net. Um, I think we can work hard as a team and just get everyone up on the same level. A lot of seniors graduated last year. It's going to be a wide open double A this year. I wish you guys the best of luck. I'll see you in a couple weeks, all right? All right, thank, thank you, you very much. Take care, guys. Hello, everybody. Mitch here, and we are talking Mitch's Challenge. Of course, Mitch's challenge is trying to find the best student section in the PIHL. I'm looking for all classifications. Anytime that I'm in the rink, I'm going to be paying attention to some, a lot of the action, but also the student sections because I want to see the, what you guys got out there. I want to see a very rowdy section. I want to see some sections that are having a good time. I want to see you guys do everything short of getting thrown out, anything that could actually stop or harm the game. Bring your signs. Get that face paint on. Have a good time. At the end of the season, whenever I decide who wins Mitch's challenge, they might get something out of it. We're still working on the details for it, but I definitely want to see your best out there. So I don't care who it is, classification, single A, double A, triple A, D2. Bring out your best when I'm in the rink, and we will see you in the rink. Once again, that was a very strong offensive team last year, and they just look like they got a lot faster this upcoming season. Um, definitely some another team to watch for as they grow. Uh, 
my only question you have in net is, uh, you know, they got a couple new players. Reno Patrick electing not to play this season for Penn Trafford. So, you know, you're not returning your goaltender. Yeah, so it's a little bit tough of a situation to look at. But at the same time, you know, you, you got to grow. And that's that's part of hockey is adapting to changing situations. And definitely that's a team that looks like it might be able to accomplish that. They have Leslie coming back and, you know, work an all-star playing on the second line. And you, you don't, probably don't even want to have to call it a second line for Penn Trafford. But, you know, when you have those three who have that instant chemistry and that's going to be one of your top scoring line and an all-star on the second line, Something you can look at and you can get excited about, uh, especially for the Warriors this season. All right, now we're going to continue here talking a little bit more about the PIHL that I want to, you know, just touch base on uh, for our, our in the rink of the PIHL this upcoming week. Uh, be in Greensburg once again at Kirk Nevin Arena for the Greensburg Salem tournament on Thursday night. Uh, I will be a late entry. I might not be able to get to the Penn Trafford Plum game in time. I might be able to catch a couple periods at the end, but I will definitely uh, be getting to Hempfield and West Allegheny. Now, West Allegheny, pay attention because you guys are on call now. It is Mitch's challenge is going to be in effect on Friday night as West Allegheny is renewing a rivalry with Montour Hockey. Now they are both back in single A. They were in double A each together for a long time. But they are playing for in a charity hockey game for the Travis Mannion Foundation. Uh, you want to check it out, travismannion.org. Uh, they will be playing at 9 p.m. at the island. So please, if you have a chance, go out and check that out. Maybe donate and give it to, the, uh, to a good cause. Watch some good hockey between two stellar teams uh west allegheny coming off of a big year last year and they're returning some gigantic uh talent coming back to the uh to barrel but this will be at rmu at home the home of the montour spartans so please if you have a chance to go out and check some hockey out i'll be there everybody will be there enjoy some good hockey go donate to a good cause i can't wait to be there um and then the following week, I will be at back at the uh, at Kirk Nevin for the the following game. It will be on Monday. We will have Thomas Jefferson and South Park, and then Kiski and Norwin will be there. Seven fifteen, eight forty five for those two games. And then I unfortunately will not be able to make it to the championship game this year for the Greensburg Salem tournament, but. But that's definitely where we are looking at getting to. That is my in the ring for the PIHL this upcoming week. Um, just some news and notes that I was able to pull together. Uh, just so everybody is aware, this is what I'm trying to do is tie this all in with everybody. Uh, we were I was discussing with somebody about you know certain players whenever they were talking about the St. Margaret tournament. I was able to pull up the fact that Jace Rarick, who was a junior for Armstrong last year, uh, he is now playing, uh, as I have written my notes, he's shipping off the Boston to play for the USPHL Bandits this upcoming season. So he'll be playing in the USPHL. That's the same league that the Pittsburgh Vengeance are in. So maybe they will match up this upcoming season. Um, and then you look at uh, Hayden Hittenmeyer. He's coming back home. He's going to be back with TJ, with Thomas Jefferson all year. We, of course, spoke with him in the opener. But uh, he's coming back to play full-time with Thomas Jefferson. And I, I think he's, uh, it was mentioned that he's going to go back to Gary Klepkowski's uh, Pittsburgh Predators U18s. So we'll see how that plays out for Hayden. Good luck to him this upcoming season. Good to have him back in the western half of the state. Whatever the reasons may be, you know, it's always good to come home. So, you know, and then, you know, just some notes of players that have played here. Christian Gorshak. He had a goal and assist uh, in Saturday's Johnstown win over Wilkes-Barre. He was the Hempfield product, and he played for the S. Mark Stars. And uh, let's see, anybody else that popped up on that list? Not that I see at this time. You have any news, any notes? Please don't hesitate to let me know. I will give you. I will try to keep the shout out to what's going on in Pittsburgh-based hockey every year. You want to use it on Twitter at Twitter at phd underscore Mitch. Or you can tweet us at the PGH Hockey Digest. I run both of those accounts. So please, 
at any time. If you have any details, contact me back. Um, we're going to talk a little bit now. We're going to move just slightly down the needle, and we're going to look at your scoreboards from out of, of the midget majors. Uh, the S-Mark Stars were off this past week, and they're going to be involved in a tournament coming up. So good luck to the S-Mark Stars. Uh, the Penguins Elite, they're off to an 8-0 start. Uh, they had wins in all, they won all their games in the Tier 1 Elite Hockey League Showcase. The wins were over the Colorado Rampage by a score of 5-2, Iowa Wild 3-2, the Dallas Ju Stars Elite 4-1, and the Colorado Thunderbirds 5-2. They'll be off for a week. They'll be back in two weeks up there at 66. The Predators had the week off, and they will be off for the next week. Uh, the Pittsburgh Vengeance made their debut in the USPHL. Uh, the first game they played, Niagara Falls, they lost 4-1 at the Alpha Ice Complex, and then they were able to follow that up with their first USPHL victory as a 5-4 marker. Uh, Johnstown Tomahawks opened their season at NAHL. Uh, of course, I mentioned Christian Gorshak scored his scored a couple goal a good game. Went, uh, sorry, no, he scored an, a goal and an assist in Saturday's 5-1 win over Wilkesbury. But on Friday night, you had a 3-2 victory that Robert Morris pros, uh, commit Cam Hebert scored the game-winning goal of in. You know, and then he got two assists on Saturday, so there's a name to look at. Um, Cam Hebert going to be at Robert Morris next year with, of course, uh, Roman Kramer and a couple other players. So that's something that you want to look at and uh, tie into what we are talking about. Uh, definitely something to keep an eye on. Um, so we'll tie in. We'll look and go ahead and we'll just tie into that and we'll go to Robert Morris. The Robert Morris men will open their season in, with an exhibition in probably three and a half, four weeks now. They've got a little bit of time to go before we get there. I'm sorry, it's about three weeks from now. Uh, alumnus Cody Wido went to Sweden and scored his first his first goal in Sweden on his first shot the other day. That was interesting stuff up there. We're, we uh, actually talked to a uh, favorite uh, of the site, and I guess he's an ins At this point, I'm just going to refer to him as an insider because... He is definitely somebody that has given us a lot of help with this, and he's very enthusiastic, and that's Matt Mamros. Uh, probably going to do a video edit of, you know, he has a freaking insane jersey collection, and he keeps talking about it, and I hear it from so many people, and I want to see this thing because uh, I'm a hockey jersey nut, but I'm, I never had the money to be able to spend on him. So I want to see how this plays out, and I want to check that out one day. But he's giving me some information on that. He's talking about how they're going to be sending some stuff back to the school. And, you know, it's going to be cool because it's nice to have. So, um, Cody Wido, of course, scoring his first goal and his first shot. And Brady Ferguson, he's in the Toronto Maple Leafs camp picture. If you notice, there's actually uh, Derek Scully was wondering why that this big number 91 for the Toronto Maple Leafs was in focus and, you know, number 65 wasn't. And,. There's a picture of John Tavares right in front of Brady Ferguson warming up on the ice, and it's it's actually pretty funny, and I enjoyed it. I got a good chuckle out of that, and I can't wait for those guys to be back on the ice there. Um, but while we're still on the college level, Elijah Milne-Price, the Robert Morris product from last year, the, uh, the story of the year, if you ask me, uh, she is playing her first preseason game for the Markham Thunder, and of course another alumnus is Kristen Richards a couple years ago for the Robert Morris women. They will be playing their first preseason game, an exhibition game, at Mercyhurst on Saturday at 4.30 p.m. If you're up in Erie, you want to check it out, please do. It's going to be a, a good time. Good support local women's hockey if you have the opportunity to. Um, Kristen Richards and Elijah Millen-Price came through the Robert Morris so... Uh, system, so if you have a chance, please check it out and enjoy that. Um, I'll use that as a nice little segue. We had uh, Andrew Wisniewski was able to talk to another former alumnus, the, the 2017 CHA Tournament MVP, which is one thing that he forgot to mention the other day in, in her list of accolades that she had whenever she was in the uh, 
you know, with the Robert Morris Colonials. So he did his feature this week, his written, his audio feature, not written. He's doing a lot of written features, but he's definitely got his new audio feature going for us with Jessica Dodds of the 2017 class of Robert Morris. And here it is. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with a member of the RMU women's hockey team, class of 2017, Jessica Dodds. Of course, you'll remember her as the goalie. Um, she is the RMU record holder in wins and shutouts, and I'm sure a lot more. Uh, I just don't have all of them written down. Uh, Two-time member of the R CHA first team, a member of the CHA all-rookie team, CHA rookie of the year. So definitely a high-profile goalie at RMU. So, Dodsy, how have you been doing? I've uh, been good. Uh, when I graduated from university, I was fortunate I got hired on by uh, London Police Service and have just kind of uh, been doing a lot. I opened my own goalie school, um, so it's been uh, pretty busy, and there's never really a dull moment. Awesome. Um, so today we'll just sort of take you back a little bit, reflect on some of your time in college, and then uh, we'll get a little bit into what you're doing today. So. Uh, First off, you know, looking way back, how did you first get into hockey, and about how old would you say you were? I was about five years old when I first started. I started my first year as a player, um, and uh, I actually wasn't even supposed to play hockey. My parents were really against it, um, but I had started playing baseball when I was three years old, and my baseball coach had said to my dad, uh, you know, you have to get her into hockey. Let her just try it. Just Tell her, have her skate around and see how it goes. So my dad was like, she's going to get out there. She's going to skate around and she's going to fall on her face and she's not going to like it. So uh, I ended up going out to a free skate and I like held on to the board uh, my first lap around the rink. And then after that, I pulled off the boards. I can imagine it probably wasn't pretty, but um, I was able to make my way around the ice. And I came off and I was like, I love it. So uh, since then, I have been playing hockey, and that was about when I was five. All right. So then, you know, you started when you were five. How old were you, and how did it come about for you to become a goalie? So I played my first season as a player, mm -hmm. um, and then I wasn't very good. I only scored one goal. Um, and then uh, what happened was I was playing on a boys' house league team for my first year, and um, everyone was rotating through the position of goalie. So... I rotated in and I did really well. I was very successful. And the head coach said to my dad, you know, you have to keep her in that because if we keep her in that, we're completely going to win the, game, the the championship. And, you know, we need, we just need to have her in that. So my dad came home and said, you know, Jess, like, you need to make a decision what you want to do. So um, I ended up a few hours later, I was jumping up and down on my bed yelling, goalie, goalie, I want to <laughs> be the goalie. And so I ended up playing uh, the goalie in that year. Um, we won the championship, and I won MVP. Uh, and since then, I kind of haven't looked back. I've been a goalie ever since. Nice. Um, so, you know, who do you think some of your early hockey role models were? Whether it was a player or a coach or a parent or something, you know, who sort of molded your game? Um, so I was a big Leafs fan, but my favorite goalie was Martin Carter. Okay. I really liked his style and um, how he played. Um, he's a little different. You know, wasn't your typical stand-up or butterfly goalie. He was a little bit of a mix. And ultimately, I think that's kind of who I role-modeled myself after. And um, my playing style even mimicked that a little bit because I wasn't, uh, you know, a complete butterfly goalie, but I was a bit of a hybrid um, in that I would stand up at times and I would also, you know, be in the butterfly position as well. Definitely. And then, of course, playing the puck, too. I know that was one of your favorite things to do with passing and stuff. And I think Brodeur scored a couple <laughs> goals in his NHL career. So I guess yeah. we see where you got it from. <laughs> yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah, <laughs> just getting to see him, you know, like making some amazing passes. And he was a really good puck handler. And so I really kind of picked up on that and yeah. uh, made sure that, you know, when I was playing, I was and playing the puck and giving my team uh, kind of a benefit of the doubt. Yeah, do you know how many assists you ended up with in your college career? Uh, I think it was something like six or seven, five. Nice. <laughs> so, uh, you know, <laughs> moving ahead towards that college career, what originally attracted you to Robert Morris? So I knew I wanted a small university. Mm -hmm. um, I was never uh, really interested in the large schools, so um, 
I visited a, a handful of different schools, and when I went away to Robert Morris, I really liked the campus. Um, I was recruited um, by Paul, uh, so I came down, looked at the campus, and really liked the campus. I liked, I got to meet some of the girls, really enjoyed that, and I got to meet the coaching staff, and I thought that they would be good coaches, um, and uh, it turns out that they were. Mm-hmm. Um and, uh, yeah, no, it was just, I loved, fell in love with the campus and fell in love with kind of the team and the, everything. Like, um, there were so many opportunities um, at Robert Morris, and I'm very glad that I ended up deciding to go there. Definitely. So uh, your first year, you rose very quickly. You know, you ended up on the CHA all-rookie team, um, I think even the USCHO all-rookie team. Um so how do you think you're able to have such great success so early on in your college career? Well, I think it, I was very fortunate that I had a really good team in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there were never many times where there were two or three uh, shots that I would have to stop. Uh, in fact, it was probably only the first one that I was really uh, focused on. And um, the team was always there and they played really well um, for me. And I think, um, I think uh, you know, it, when you come in as a freshman, I feel like you're a little bit immature at times. And um, I definitely was. So um, like, nice being able to uh, to have a coach and um, some, some captains and assistants who are very supportive of that and know kind of, that happens in freshman year. So um, just having like a really good team and everyone, you know, being there and supporting me and everything makes it seem like it was an awesome year. And um, I think it was definitely the girls in front of me that made the biggest difference. Definitely. So then as you advanced, you know, through your career, the next three years after that, um, what do you think you noticed changed the most, whether it be in your team or your own game, you know, that really stood out as far as a change from being a freshman to then an upperclassman? from going from a freshman to a senior. Yeah. Um, so I think that there were uh, multiple changes kind of that happened um, within my game specifically. Um, going from a freshman to a senior, I think that um, as I became a senior, I became more of a leader on the team and mm-hmm. more of someone that the girls would, you know, look up to and um, reliable. And um, I think also, too, um, there was a lot of, like, you know, off the ice skills that translated on the ice and I think that you know I I matured a lot more and I was able to kind of um, enhance my skills and uh, my abilities and communicate a little bit better with my teammates and I think ultimately it helped to transfer on the ice. Um, I remember you know in my freshman year I wasn't super outgoing and and going on the ice early and things like that and I didn't really understand it but I think I really bought in Mm -hmm. um and by my senior year, I was the first one out on the ice every day. I was always, you know, getting in extra practices and getting players to come out and shoot with me, shoot, shoot on me, sorry. Um, and uh, just to get some extra work in before and after practice and try to keep up, you know, where I was. And, um, you know, I think that's something that's important is sometimes we rise to these successes, but then we don't keep them up and continue to build and get better. So I think I did a good job of that as a became a senior mm-hmm. so then you know your senior year obviously is arguably the the best year in program history you guys won the regular season you won the postseason and you made the NCAA tournament for the first time in program history so you know how was that as a way to end your collegiate hockey career oh I think it was just extremely bittersweet it, there's uh, no more than I could have asked uh, out of my team in that senior year. It was an awesome year. Uh, we were, like you said, we were able to, you know, win the championship and then go on to the NCAA tournament. And that's something that had never been done before within the program. And I think that, um, you know, it was just a phenomenal experience and just being able to, you know, learn so much from all of those pieces. And um, I think it was, it was a great year and, you know, I'm very thankful that the team came together at the right time and we peaked at the right time so that we were able to, you know, be so successful in that senior year. Definitely. And, you know, now moving forward, you know, that's something that you'll always have as an attachment to RMU and the program itself. Um, you know, so what does that sort of mean to you looking back to have been that first one to do it? I, I think it's pretty significant. Um, it definitely, 
it, it sets the bar high for, for the girls coming in and the girls who are seniors now because, um, you know, not only did that happen, but that was something that particularly critics would say, you know, wasn't necessarily supposed to happen. And the fact that it did just proves that anything is possible. And if you put your heart and your mind to it and you believe in yourself and your teammates, that um, you're totally going to get where you want to go. And I think that that's like a huge learning point for all of the leaders on the team, you know, the past couple of years since we've moved on. But um, I think as long as they keep building off of that, they're going to be really successful again this year. Something, you know, not just hockey that you'll remember about your college experience, you know, that really stands out to you? Um, yeah, totally. I think that, um, so I was a, an avid uh, member on campus um, in kind of many different aspects. So I worked, um, I was a tutor for four years. Um, so there's a lot of really good experiences there. And then um, I was able to kind of give back and, and I think just connect with a lot of the non-athletic uh, population at Robert Morris and I think truthfully that has made the most impact on me and like the different professors and um, definitely the, I'm very fortunate that I was able to uh, receive a master's and a bachelor's in four years so I think that that um, all together kind of uh, sums up um, kind of the things that I remember outside of hockey uh, because hockey is pretty much 25-7 and and it's hard to, if you're, you know, struggling at times, it's hard to kind of pull yourself back and, you know, get back into the swing of things. But I found that having that community outside of sports and outside of hockey uh, on campus was huge for me and, and made a really big impact on kind of the person that I am. And, and I think overall it developed me um, on the ice and off the ice. Definitely. So, and then how do you think that your experiences both as an athlete and as a student set you up to be successful now in your career with the police? I think, um, I think that it's, there's huge transferable skills between, um, you know, being an athlete and, and having to study at the same time, because I think you're learning your prioritization skills, uh, quite quickly in your young uh, life. And, um, even now, uh, with working at police station and also, um, you know, having my own business, there's a lot of prioritization that has to go on there as well. So I think it, it really does transfer, um, and I found it super beneficial. Um, you're not always in class when you're at, in, in school, and um, like when you're at, in the states on a, on a hockey scholarship, you're you know you're away for uh, games and things like that. You're missing classes, and I think it's important that you know you have to make sure that you're able to those studied times in, and you're able to meet with the professors and talk about things that you don't understand. So I think that. Having that prioritization and, and learning those skills quite early on is just going to help uh, for me in my future. And uh, it had already has, as far as I can see, um, and I'm sure it will continue to in the future. Definitely. Um, so you sort of mentioned it there with owning your own business, you know, your goalie school. Um, and I correct me if I'm wrong, but you were involved with the Team Canada U18 camp as well as a goalie coach. So, you know, how has that transition been for you going from player to coach and how have your experiences been so far? Uh, it's definitely been a little bit more difficult um, going from player to a coach because, uh, you know, you're so actively involved as a player and as a coach, you kind of have to step back and, and uh, you know, put all the players first. Um, but, no, it's been uh, it's been a great experience thus far. Um, I am, yes, I am. A, 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 so once I opened my, my goalie school, I ended up um, being the goalie coach for Team Ontario for the last two years. And mm-hmm. then this year I got involved with Hockey Canada and um, have some, some big goals and aspirations with them. So um, it, it has transformed me huge. I think that, you know, all these experiences ultimately play a role and, and you learn from everything that you can and kind of be a sponge and take in as much as you can and, um, ultimately, we want these kids to develop and hopefully send more kids to the U.S. on scholarships and more to uh, youth sports in Canada to universities here as well. Definitely. And, the, and then, uh, so you were there as a coach with Hockey Canada, and then three of your former teammates were on the women's development team side, you know, playing. So what do you think it says for Robin Morris to have had four former player, current and former players at that camp? Well, I think it says a lot, um, especially with coaching staff uh, 
it's evident that they're doing a pretty good job of recruiting <laughs> um, as, you know, we're getting players that are very talented. Um, but then I think, I don't think it, the bus kind of just stops there. I think that once those players get to university, they are continuing to develop. And I think that the coaches have done a really good job of making sure that those players, you know, have what they need and resource-wise and are able to be successful. And um, I think it's kind of a combination of, you know, the, the kids doing the work and putting their extra time and the extra hours in, but then also um, with the coaching staff being so uh, successful and being able to pass their knowledge along um, plays a huge role as well. Definitely. And final question for you. So, you know, looking back on your experiences and where you are now, if you could give a piece of advice to maybe a current freshman or a future member of the RMU women's hockey team, what would it be? Um, so if you're, you know, a freshman coming in, I think that you kind of think that you, you know, everything and you have everything, but, um, I think just to, uh, be open and, and to be a sponge and to try and learn as much as you can, because there's always someone who's teaching and someone who has some knowledge to pass along. So if you're able to, to soak it in and listen and, and pay attention, um, I think that that's going to be the most beneficial for these girls in their young uh, hockey playing careers. Definitely. All right. Well, we really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us for a bit. Um, best of yeah, luck no with problem. your coaching, your professional career, and uh, we hope to see you around the rink sometime. Awesome. That sounds good. Thank you so much. Yep. We'll talk to you soon. It always goes to, without saying that he does good work, and that's another stellar interview with an alumnus or anybody of that matter by Andrew Wisniewski. Uh, thank you again, Andrew, for doing that for us. Uh, we will definitely be able to uh, see, look forward to those in the future, whatever you're bringing to us, and I appreciate every last minute of it. Um, with that being said, we only have one real segment to do the rest of this podcast, so I will get right yeah. into it. I'm working on time. I'm upset. 50,000 on my head is disrespect. So offended that I had to double check. I'm always I will not lie to you guys. My first thought on when I was deciding what the up, I'm upset is this week was a little tough because I didn't want to start a riot over this because it's a big, big, big story when it comes to you know high school hockey or developmental hockey or college hockey. Well, it's not as much in college hockey or the professionals. But when you're talking about, you know, midget majors and the the younger levels, it, it's something that sticks out to me. And I'm going to go a little bit candor off here. You know, it's going to be interesting. I, I The one thing I'm upset about, and I saw it a couple times, is the cheap shots. The number of cheap shots, especially in games that are way too far out of hand. And I understand this is a contact sport, and I understand that you're you're losing sometimes, and sometimes it's even in a win, but you let your emotions get over you, and you're talking about guys who are walking around with weapons, and you know that's not something that, for example, I watched a game a couple years ago where somebody was, you know, fighting in the corner, and something happened where, you know, you were buying, going for a puck, and it was a 50-50 puck, don't, let's not get anything around, nobody really had a heads on anybody, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I watched a player two-hand right to the side of the face. And especially in the younger leagues, you're talking about, you know, the referees are always paying attention somewhere else or something's going on in the on the opposite side of the rink and they can't see it or it happened with a player right in front of their view. But th there's those cheap shots, and I understand it's a part of the game and it's something that isn't going to ever be avoided. But I guess I just, I'm just upset that I don't understand why, especially in games where it can be avoided, we just don't pick up our you know our play and just try to use that as a motivating factor to move on and and try to you know maybe come out of that hole, get out you know, dig out of what we we're in already. Um, we have to resort to having to go ahead and do the you know oh we're just going to use our sticks as a tomahawk now or we're going to turn around and spear somebody from behind the referee's eyes. I mean yeah it's a dirty game. Let's not get this wrong. Hockey is a dirty game. It is a savage game. You are on, you are on two pairs. Up, uh, sorry. You are on a pair 
of scissors. Two blades with a gigantic wooden club. Skating around on ice with a piece of rubber. There's nothing about this game that is time out. Your benches are unguarded. You're allowed to change on the fly. There are people moving everywhere. You know, contact is allowed at almost every major level of male hockey. Female hockey, they're still working on that detail right now as we speak. You know, there's one of those things that you have to look at and you have to wonder why are we still. I guess I'm not, I was never that type of player. I guess that might be the detail that I'm thinking that I'm not thinking of, is that maybe I never had that sensibility. But I, I think I'm I just don't understand why those little little bits of you know, aggravation have to be taken out on somebody else's thigh or forearm or shoulder. Like I've seen more people get broken arms because of a slash across the arm in a game that's completely out of whack and it was behind the play than I could ever imagine. And maybe it's because you can get away with it a little bit more, and I'm not condoning it by any means. Don't get me wrong. That is not something that I, I ever would intend to condone. But that's just something to you know think about. Like We're all talking about a game in which you know teamwork is the goal here. You have to play as a team to be able to win. And to put your team down and in a hole because maybe somebody was able to undercut you and, you know, come out of a corner with a puck you were maybe you had a lead on. That's a little bit of an overstatement. I mean, I understand that there are situations where you don't know because the game moves fast, but there's a lot of stuff that could be avoided that just upsets me to see. And it's the first thing that I'll do is if a game starts to get out of the, out of, out of the way, if there's no control in the game and maybe the referee's losing control, I'll be honest with you, I stop covering the game then. I don't get involved with it. I don't like to be involved. My camera goes down. The last thing I need to hear is, oh, did you get that picture? Did you get that? I mean, I understand what my job is there. Technically, it's not really even my job. But it's one of those things that I just don't like seeing. And I'm not going to lie to you guys. It upsets me to the T because... It's a fun sport. It's a great sport. It's a, yeah, like I said, it's a little bit uh, rough and tumble, but it's one of those things that maybe we can work on. Uh, maybe if we, but I, everybody's themselves. I'm not going to sit here and say that. Oh well, you know that you need to learn how to do your things. I'll probably hear. Well, you know what? Yeah, well, you don't know what the, you're talking about because you haven't played the game. You're right. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie. I, I've just been able to watch the game for such a very, very, very long time and break it down. And that's just something that I can that I've learned to do over time and it's just one of those things that's a pet peeve to me. So, yep, that's why I'm upset. And with that being said, I have one small little detail that I wanted to get out there and I wanted to just say from this program and everything that we've done in the last couple years, um, I wanted to send out a thank you to now former PIHL commissioner Greg Barnett, and now commit the uh, vice president of the ACHA. He was just recently got that promotion. Uh, definitely a worthy promotion, a good pickup for the ACHA as a conference. And I would like to uh, thank him for everything that he's done for us and allowing us to help bring you everything that we have been able to for the last three years. And definitely couldn't have been as good and as smooth as it's been without the help of the conference and the support of the conference. So once again, thank you, former Commissioner Burnett. Uh, good luck in your new capacity. Of course, now you're moving along from me to Ed Major. So you have a little bit of a trouble up against coming up against you right now. Um, just a warning. You know, that's just how he is. But, uh, no, that's an inside joke to everybody that knows Ed Major. Uh, we like to give him a little bit of a rib there. Um, but he does good work with the ACHA, with everything going on. And, you know, I think that's it. So, once again, I would like to thank this week's guests, J.R. Hess and Will Stutt from the Pine Richland Rams, Ryan Mickey, Jack Hughes, and Gavin Patrick from the Pentrafford 
Warriors. Of course, Jessica Dodds coming on with Andrew Wisniewski. That was an awesome, awesome, awesome interview. Thank you again, guys, for coming on with us this week. I would like to spend a send a very, very, very special thank you out to Ed Major for all the work he put in this last week with the St. Mar- Margaret's Tournament for us, getting us that great major focus coverage that we love and watch. I watched many people, you know, talk to him and thank him for everything he did. I've heard the same thing to me. I really don't care as much as I care about how much they're liking what he's doing. So, and that's just me being me. So that is what it is. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to thank you again for listening to the PhD podcast, the sixth episode. I will see you in the rink this Thursday. Friday, Saturday, Monday. It's hockey season, folks. Take care.